From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling from Monday, March 26th, the year 2018, on this week before the Masters, which you will see a ton of podcasts about from me. Probably four, maybe, over the next uh, two weeks, so we got a lot of good stuff coming up. But this is opening week in Major League Baseball, and there's a team in Queens that thinks that this may be their year after a disappointing 2016 and 2017. And for that, we welcome back to Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling, Mr. Jordan Brickman. Hello, sir. Hey, Jeremy. How you doing? Before that, um, let me ask you this. Um, You told me uh, back in January that one of your goals this year in life was to finally win a fantasy league. Uh That it had been too long. And one of the fascinating things about fantasy baseball this year is Shohei Otani of the Angels, who could be, for the first time in a long time, a pitcher-hitter combo. And I'm not sure if you've seen this. You've probably seen this in your fantasy travels. But I've seen it as a media story, which is how are various fantasy platforms listing Otani, and is it the right move to uh, maximize his possible production for fans? Uh, A, has this been a problem for you as you prep for your drafts? And B... Is this of any interest to you? So, I'm a Yahoo guy, so I take it in in all, in all my leagues, and Yahoo breaks him out into two different players, uh, which I think is silly. I think you should be able to start him in either spot. You know, kind of like in football, if you have a quarterback who um, they do an option play and he catches a touchdown, he gets points for that. I think that should be how it similarly works in baseball. Um, with that said, it seems like his hitting is not really... Uh, you know, he's got a lot of power, but it seems like he's not going to be a great hitter. He's got a lot of holes in his swing. Um, I can't imagine he's going to be in, a, in a, a, a worthwhile roster, worth, worth, a, worth a roster spot as a hitter. Uh, as a pitcher, he's definitely intriguing, but so far he hasn't been very impressive. So I'm staying far away from him. He's got, his, his average draft position is way too high for me to touch him at this point, but uh, definitely very intrigued to see how he does this year. He's obviously a, you know, a very unique talent, but I, don't, I think that his bat is going to, kind of disappear as his career goes on. He's going to just become a pitcher, especially being, uh, you know, in the AL where they don't have to play that DH to hit him where they'd be potentially taking away a spot from a very good hitter. So I think his pitching is going to be to kind of dominate as he uh, as his career goes on. It is uh, something that will be very fascinating um, as we go along. All right. You guys have had, um, you guys being Met fans, have had to sit through, well, first of all, you had the elation of 2015. The disappointment of losing, but the hope that this was something that could be solidified. And we've said this about the Royals. We've said this about your Mets. We've seen uh, people are saying this about uh, uh, said this about the Cubs. People are saying this about the Astros. And none of those teams have followed up their run with a successful following year. It's tough, and you got to stay healthy. And the thing about the Mets was they had all these pitchers. They've got to stay healthy. They have failed to do that. As we sit here. On March 26th, are you an optimistic Met fan that you can actually get enough production out of these pitchers to have a year like 2015? I'm always going to be optimistic. I'm never going to go in thinking that, um, you know, oh, we're going to get hurt this year. It's going to be another bad year. I'm always going to be glass half full kind of guy. Um, so, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm optimistic. I mean, look, Thor does not really have a history of injuries. The lot that shoot last year, you know, kept him out for basically the whole season. Uh, you got to hope that that's behind him and that 
you know, a lot of these guys, Thor, uh, Thor and uh, Cespedes and some of these other guys have uh, changed the way they train in the offseason. You know, it's not so much about bulk, but about flexibility and being lean and mean. So uh, I hope that that is something that can uh, help them achieve, you know, a healthier season. If you look at a guy like DeGrom, he's not the bulkiest guy. He's very lean and lanky. Uh, so hopefully guys can kind of learn from, from his body type. He doesn't have that many, injury, that many injuries in his history. He had Tommy John when he was in the minors, but not since he's been in the majors. Um, so I'm hoping, you know, the new training staff, new coaching staff that's very pitcher-friendly, I'm hoping that that can lead to some success. You know, you know, no pitcher really has, for the most part, I'm more likely to get hurt than some other guys. You know, they say, like, Kershaw this year, for example, has gotten hurt the last two years, but he's just as likely as anyone to get hurt on a given season. You've got to hope that kind of long averages evens out and they're going to have, you know, a healthy season. If they're healthy with the Grom and Syndergaard, you know, that's a hell of a spark there to have a competitive season. Were you happy with the changes they made to the training staff in the offseason? Because a lot of Met fans were like, why are we sticking with these people year after year after year, and then they finally let go of the head trainer and, and basically revamped the whole medical squad. Yeah, uh, finally, for sure. I mean, it's funny, you know, last year, or not funny, it's really sad, actually. Well, you know, last year when all the injuries started happening, um, and I would, I would Google Ray Ramirez, the Mets old trainer, and there'd be articles from, like, 2008 <laughs> about how the Mets can't stay healthy and it's the trainer's fault, and this has been happening, you know, for seemingly like 10 years, so... About time, you know. I'm sure the guy knows who he's talking about, but sometimes just a change of scenery, get some new, some new, new faces in there, can you know really kind of change that up, get some new routines going because the old ones were not working. So happy to have a kind of whole new regime. Really excited for Mickey Callaway as well, who's obviously a former pitcher. He's going to know how to take care of these guys, ideally, um, and have the new training staff. Hopefully, it all works out. Speaking of new faces, um, I I think the big one um, that'll stick out uh, to a lot of Met fans and, and people around baseball. Is is uh, sorry is is Mr. Rosario Ahmed Rosario the shortstop in long in the making now being the everyday shortstop? Do you believe that that he because you, you, you can have all the pitching in the world as a lot of teams have found out you need the hitting and the Mets have lacked consistent power hitting and and, and, and consistent hitting period over the last couple of years in addition to all the pitching. Um, um, Problems? Do you believe that Rosario is the long-term everyday shortstop that can give you give you consistent production over 162 games? So yes, I believe he's a long-term shortstop, but I don't think he's going to be even probably not even an average offensive shortstop this year. Um, he has still a lot of holes in his swing. It's still too very raw. You can tell even when he. Uh, sometimes he swings, he lifts his back foot up, and that's a big concern. Um, he just pitch selection, he has a lot of lot of room to grow. Um, so he's still not going to be, you know, I think I, he projects as a top-of-the-order hitter. I don't think he's going to be that through the entire season. Um, uh, with that said, he's going to be elite defensively. He's going to be the best defensive shortstop probably since Reyes. Uh, he's going to be able to run the bases very well. So he's going to be a positive, you know, above-average player from a war perspective, his offense will be lacking, but he'll add that athleticism and that speed and that really, really valuable shortstop defense that they're going to need. So he's still going to be a net positive player, but I don't think his bat's going to be there this year. And that's okay. You look at guys like Angleton Simmons, who's also a great defender, and it took him a couple years to really kind of get his bat going. So that's okay, as long as he can you know, play that strong defense, you know, maybe steal some bases for the Mets and maybe provide them a little pop here and there. That's okay. We can let him hopefully develop you know, over the years, as you hit in the seven and eight slot, and hopefully in a year or two, he's ready to kind of move up to that that lead off or that top of the order type of hitter. 
As a Yankee fan, I love Todd Frazier. Um, I love what he brought to the team. He's not the best offensive player you'll ever see. And, uh, I mean, some of his swings, especially in the playoffs, were just like, what the hell's happening here? Um, but he's a great locker room, uh, sorry, clubhouse presence. I'm still thinking um, golf uh, and, and football. Uh, great clubhouse presence uh, and, and, and great defensively. I wanted the Yankees to resign him. I think that was the smartest the, the smartest acquisition you guys made the entire offseason, in my opinion, was Todd Frazier. Yeah, I mean, we're, I'm excited to have him. I kind of predicted, uh, you know, that he would be the guy on the Mets side because I didn't think they would dish out the money to Moustakis who ended up getting a very small contract anyway. Uh, I just didn't see them kind of dishing out a big deal. So Frazier makes perfect sense. He's a local guy. He's already in New York. He, he, you know that he can kind of play under the light. So uh, he kind of makes so much sense. And short-term deal. He'll sure up the third base spot. He'll play good defense. It's really going to, if you look at last year when they have Cabrera and, uh, you know, kind of a shell of a Jose Reyes playing third base and Flores out there, you know, all below average defenders at this point in their career. Now they have two plus defenders on the left side, and that's, that's going to be super helpful for all the, all the pitchers. And especially if you start to have some injuries in the pitching staff, you know, this will just give them even more favors, you know, uh, for the guys that might not be getting strikeouts, you know, 10, 10, 10, 10 times a game, like Syndergaard at the ground may. Uh, so super excited to have him on the team. You know, like you said, he'll probably hit 220, 240, um, and hit 25 home runs or so. But, you know, as long as everyone else is producing, you're totally fine with that at the, you know, bottom middle half of the lineup. Uh, he's totally happy with that. Like you said, great locker room guy. They need that leadership with David Wright, maybe never playing again. You know, they need to have that kind of guy, that, that was hard to sleep type of guy. So I'm excited to see him play every day this year. I'm sure I'm going to laugh and get frustrated when I see him swing and miss. Uh, you know, when he goes over 15 for a couple of games stretch, but you got to understand the bigger picture, obviously, game of runs, and, or season of runs, rather, and hopefully he uh, can get hot when the, when the time's right. I think seemingly every month of the year on talk radio, Met fans have asked about Dominic Smith, and then lo and behold, when Dominic Smith is primed to take over the first base uh, job, you guys acquire Adrian Gonzalez at the end of the offseason. A, were you happy with that move? Obviously, Smith's hurt now, but, but, but A, were you happy with that move? And B, would you like to see Smith get more playing time once he's healthy and as the season goes on, or do you believe Gonzalez is the everyday first baseman? I do not believe Gonzalez is the everyday first baseman. I think that by the time June comes, he might even not be on the team anymore. Um, I could definitely see him being DFA'd pretty quickly. In my opinion, you know, I'm, I want to see Smith play. I think that he's got some talent. I'm looking forward to his career and developing. But they need to keep, in my opinion, Nimmo. Is, it's, it's a conversation of who's better, Smith or Nimmo. Um, and Nimmo has had an incredible spring. He can play center field, which is kind of the only one other than Lagares and Alaska that can play center field. They're kind of forcing Conforto in that role. So in my opinion, they should move Bruce to first base, play Nemo in center, Conforto in right. I think that's the best lineup they can put together. And that's what I think is going to wind up ultimately, uh, eventually happening. And uh, that's what I hope happens sooner than later. Because sometimes these teams can be hesitant to do that. I hope that it just happens you know, as, fast as, quick, as fast as it can be. Uh, you read my mind because our two worlds collide, our two passions, you know, yours being baseball, mine being golf, collides when it comes to Joanna Cespedes, um, who, who has sworn off golf for 2018, says he's not going to do it anymore. Um, I mean, look, my take is that this was optics and that he knew basically that it looked bad, um. I, I don't believe that there was any actual impact on his uh, day-to-day play. But if he wants to stop and pay more attention to what he's doing on the field, God bless him. Um, a, 
do you think that that Cespedes will have a bounce back here now that he's or or a, a more consistent 2018, I should say, and a healthy 2018 now that he's uh, sworn off golf. And more seriously, the Mets do have a ton of outfielders, and you kind of answered it there. But but do you see them flipping somebody at some point to get another you know maybe bullpen arm and kind of alleviate this logjam in the outfield? Yeah, so first to the this point, um, he sure was definitely optics. It's really bad look when you're hurt and you're playing golf. That's not a good sign just because, you know, you want to be, if it's a leg injury, you want to be off your feet and, you know, playing golf, you know, maybe he doesn't feel like it's affecting him, but like you said, optically it just looks really bad. So, uh, you know, love to hear that the guys are dedicated. Probably not that big of a deal to begin with if he's healthy, but I don't want to see him playing another sport while hurt. That's not a, that's not a great sign. But, um, yeah, as far as the logjam out there, I could definitely see them trading a guy like Lagaris. Once you know, if you look in May, June comes, and let's say Nemo has really established himself as a everyday lineup and leaving the lineup every day, should be the leadoff hitter. He's kind of the only guy that can really be the pro to the leadoff hitter for the team. If he established himself there, if Conforto's healthy, if if Seth is healthy, and, and Bruce is comfortable at first base, Lagaris is expendable at that point. I could definitely see them moving him for another setup arm, or maybe even if some injuries happen in the rotation, another back-end rotation guy, I could definitely see that happening. I like Ligaris. I, I kind of wish that he got another shot to start every day, but there's a better option in the team now, and I could definitely see him, you know, come June-ish, I would say, July, you could see him start to maybe get, get uh, dealt to another team that could use the, the center field that he is. He's an incredible defensive player, so, and he's changed his swing this year, so he's kind of still some question marks to him, and potentially could have a lot of room for improvement. He's talented, got quick hands, um, so there definitely could be someone that, that would take a shot on him. Familia's back, which is huge for the back end of your bullpen, but do you believe there's enough back there, especially as we are in this era of pitchers not going very far and so many Met pitchers are coming off injuries and don't want to be taxed early on? Yeah, I, I would not call the bullpen a question, but they definitely could use another one or two guys that kind of breaks their way. Um, you know, I like, Swar- I like the Swarzak signing. Ramos is inconsistent, but, you know, I think he'll get the job done more often than not, at least hopefully. Um, Blevins is obviously one of the better lefties in the, in the, in the league. They're going to need one of these guys they acquired last year at the deadline. They, you know, Drew Smith or Jacob Rahm or Callahan, one of these guys. They're going to need that, well, at least one of them, to establish themselves as a steady arm. Because I don't want to see Hazel Robles out there every day throwing, giving up home runs. You know, he's with option down. They're going to need one of these other guys to step up. If they do, and if they stay healthy, of course, uh, I think that's a pretty solid bullpen. And I, and I trust Familia. He had, I know he had a tough year last year, but I trust that he'll be able to figure out as long as he's healthy and can pitch. He, he pitched a lot the year prior, and you know, now his arm should be strong and healthy for a full season this year. I'm going to jump off baseball for a second because I just find this fascinating, and you having played basketball all your life and having helped college teams and having done it at a competitive level, um, if this fascinates me. Marco Fultz is back tonight for the Sixers. Yeah. He is one of four. He has finally gotten a shot to go down. Um, losing your shot, which has been the much-reported story about him, there's this shoulder, quote-unquote, injury. I mean, it, it, how do you lose your shot, first of all? And as somebody who's played all your life and has made tweaks when you've gotten some coaching but has basically been able to shoot all your life, as a basketball player, how do you feel about this? This is a fascinating story you don't see very often in sports. Well, you know what I kind of related to a little bit is, remember John Lester when he first went to the Cubs, he couldn't do the pickoff. He couldn't even throw yeah. it in space. Yeah. Think about how, how easy that is. That's just a straight 
throw, just, you know, whatever it is, 25 feet or however long it is from, from the pitcher's mound to first base, that's easy, and he couldn't even do it. So, you know, I, I think Yogi Berra's quote is, what is sports are uh, 90% mental or something like that, and that's yeah. that physical or whatever the quote is. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it is a mental game, and it's amazing to see some, you know, he was obviously a first overall pick, these guys that are incredibly talented, um, and it's all, he lost his confidence. He felt he couldn't shoot anymore, started to change his shot. I guess the injury caused him to do that. And that next thing you know, he's a meme on the internet, and he's a laughing stock of the league, and that's just going to cause him to you know, spiral down even further. The kid's, kid's 19-year-old kid, 19, 20-year-old kid, he's going to have these issues if, if um, you know, the internet gets a hold of them type of thing. So uh, I think it's just happened, you know, if you miss five minutes a couple shots, you lose your confidence, anyone can lose their confidence. You know, I, I think even a guy like A-Rod lost his confidence. I think Kobe Bryant had a quote one time, they asked him about, a-Rod struggles in the postseason, and they said, you know, would you ever struggle like that? And he was like, no, that's the difference. I'm Kobe Bryant, and that's Alex Rodriguez. Like, I'm, I'm Kobe. I don't have those issues. Maybe A-Rod kind of does. And A-Rod's one of the best players of all time. Um, so anyone can lose their confidence at the end of the day, and I think he did. And he's, you know, he's young. He's got all this pressure on him. And then, like I said, once the internet gets a hold of it, it's just going to run wild. So I think everyone's rooting for the kid. I think people want him to succeed. He definitely could be a missing piece for that team. They, they could use someone like him on that team, another dynamic score, because they're really relying on, on Embiid and, um, and on Simmons for a lot of, a lot of the offense. But um, it, it's crazy how, you know, you miss a couple shots and you start to lose your confidence and just can snowball and snowball and snowball. So it's going to be great. I think he's going to come out better for it as long as he can, you know, start to shoot and start to play confidently again. I think he'll, he'll be a better player for it in the long term. He's got three assists and his plus minus is plus four right now, and that to me is good too because you got to play team basketball, and it's very easy in this spot to hog the ball and take every single shot to get your own personal confidence back. But the fact that he has three assists uh, to me is a huge plus. Well, it could go either way, right? He could be, not, I'm not going to shoot, I'm just going to pass, and I'm just going like, to get my feet wet and start to kind of get the feel back, or he could just be shooting every time he gets the ball. And you kind of, like you said, you kind of want to find that middle ground there. It sounds like he has. And, Hopefully the game will come to him smoothly and he'll you know get his get his legs back under him. He's been he's been playing, he's been shooting and practicing. There's been videos online for months about him you know working on his shot. So uh, hopefully he'll be able to figure out. Like I said, he was the number one overall pick for a reason, and he was consensus number one overall. So you you would assume he has the talent to figure it out. But um, you know, as long as he can keep his confidence up, and hopefully the the Sixers coaching staff can help him do that. Biggest impediment to the to the Mets making the World Series from the from the National League uh, is a uh, team that is which team is the biggest impediment? Oh, which team? Um, I would say the Nationals because not that the Nationals are necessarily the best team, but the Nationals can keep the Mets out of the uh, divisional round. They would potentially only keep them in the wild card round, and that obviously is a complete toss up. You know, if that's if they even make it there, which I'm, I'm hopeful and I feel like they will. Uh, but if the Nationals are above the, above the division, then it only takes one game for the Mets, to, for the Mets season to end. So to the Nationals, the big impediment. Right now, March 26, 2018, the New York Mets in 2018 will? Win 88 games, win the wild card, win the wild card game, uh, and then I will not make a prediction after that, but they will make it through the actual divisional round. You know, it's crazy to think, but this window could be closing. Well, if they have a year this year like they did last year, I would say that it's let's, let's trade, let's reboot, let's trade DeGrom, let's trade these guys. But I, do, I, I want to believe that it's not closing. There's still a lot of young talent on this team. You got Conforto, you got Rosario. I think Nimmo's an exciting player to have. You still have Cespedes for a couple more years. 
They have Bruce now for a couple more years. They have a good core, especially offensively, which was not the problem last year. Kindergarten still hasn't even had a, a full contract. These guys are still in their arbitration years. Matt's is still so young. You know, they're still, they're still so young and still so much potential in this team that I, I, I'm not going to let go yet. Um, I feel like this year, you know, if we're talking in six months from now, we could be saying, you know, this Mets team is set up for the next couple of years to be really competitive. So uh, that's going to hopefully that's, that's the conversation we're having. But it's always about health. You know, at the end of the day, team's got to be healthy, just like in football. You never know after you know going into a season that your team's going to be healthy when the uh, when the when the clock starts. So we're hoping that that's the case this year. To me, it's Matt Harvey. Matt Harvey has to be a force in this rotation, and he may have to do it a different way if he can't be you know, an overpowering pitcher, but I, I just feel like his confidence will help this team hugely. He's That's, had a nice spring. He's looking yeah. pretty decent. Um, he seems like he's starting to get some of his confidence back. Uh, I, I think it's between Harvey and Matt. You need one of those guys to step up. You need you need that third starter that yeah. you can rely on every single every single week. Um, and you just got to hope that it's one of them. If it's, if it's both of them, then the Mets are one of the best teams in the NL. If it's one of them, then and you can get some you know, average average level performance from Vargas and Lugo and Zeltman and maybe Wheeler potentially could figure some stuff out. Um, that's what you hope for. But you got to hope for you got at least three. You have, you have two of the top ten pitchers in baseball. Maybe Syndergaard could be the best pitcher in baseball if, if, if he's healthy. And I see no reason why he can't top out of that as the, as the Cy Young. DeGrom is definitely a guy in that conversation as well. So you just need... You know, if Matt and or Harvey, and if both of them works out, then that's then that's looking pretty good. Just got to hope that one of them can make it work. Crazy to think of Harvey as a third starter, but that's where the Mets are. He's a fourth starter right now. He's starting the fourth game. That is crazy. Jordan Brickman, um, happy opening day. Happy new MLB season. Uh, thank you, as always, for coming on Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling. You as well, Jeremy. Have a good one. You got it. And I will see you all later in the week for Golf Talk. So have a great night, everybody.